There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb, and the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. Like Danny was so annoying before he went green, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, it's happening. Danny is just gonna get second or third, and I'm gonna lose the overall. This is it, you know. And I so I went to Amory, and I was like, yo, dude, fuck, that was such a cool season. I'm pissed off, but congrats, well Ryan. When by the time I said that, the last, not the second to last split comes up and then he's green. This season was insane. I remember I, I won three races, Loic won three races. He was like, Bruh! it never happens. Like, fuck. Normally when you win three races, you win the overall. This, this should be a rule. When I was younger, when I was really small, I was a riding horse. Pom Pom was a pony. The computer tells you everything, but at the end of the day, you just take the fucking brakes off and go fast. (laughs) 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 Season four, episode six of the podcast, and we are now over halfway through the 2022 World Cup season. I'm George Thompson, and in this show, we'll be reviewing the season so far, catching up with Lucas Shaw, and previewing the next two World Cups in Snowshoe and Mont St. Anne. Back alongside me are, of course, Jack Redding and Emily Siegenthaler. How are we doing, guys? Very good. Thanks. Good. Yeah. A bit good. stressed getting ready to go to the States. Are you, are you all packed? 
No. I'm not all packed. <laughs> <laughs> At least we agree on that point. Uh, it's, it's a bit hectic, but um, we're getting there. I'll be happy when we sit on the plane finally. When do you fly? I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure yet. That's the problem. That's the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. No, it's it's supposed to be Sunday morning, but okay. yeah, it's, it's a bit hectic at the moment. Yeah, we're leaving at 3.30 tomorrow morning for the airport and I've still done very little. So, But it's been nice having a week at home, three weeks on the road and came back absolutely exhausted on Sunday. So it's been nice to get mm. some sleep. <laughs> cool. Well, before we start talking about the last couple of World Cups, Jack... I have to ask you about the Mega Avalanche. You finished ninth, but you're in the, the top three until the, the kind of fitness game kicked in. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a mint event. Um, and I had, with all intention, planned on going into the event, like trained for it in terms of the amount of, I'd even thought I could go somewhere, uh, start of June and do some like high altitude training. And it just didn't work out like that. Like um, after feeling like my pace was coming back at Fort William. I was more interested in my downhill speed and most of my training was geared towards that. So I did like some like rescue training the two weeks before, but only here and just going out for some trail rides. And I think I got on the walk bike twice. So it's just like mind blowing how much fitter those guys are when you, when you're there experiencing it and you're on your red line, absolutely fucking dying along a flat (laughs) section or up a climb just giving it everything you've got your lungs feel like they're coming out of your ass like your eyes are bleeding and then they just come past you like vroom, vroom, vroom. and it, it's demoralizing as well so it's like because you're powerless to do anything so yeah. so yeah i mean it, it went really well i got a good start i was top three um down the fast part of the snow conditions were very different to last year like rocks to snow which suited me a bit better uh, it was a bit more of like a downhill track um, and then at one point we just had to get off the bikes and start running along this flat section of snow, <laughs> snow so soft. And I mean, to put it in perspective, Hugo Pigeon came past us. He went from like 10th or whatever to first and then just disappeared because he weighs what, like 60 kilo. Whereas me and the other heavier boys, we had to get off and run because the bikes were sinking. Yeah. He just hovered along the top of the snow and just disappeared. So so the rest of us were jogging for about three minutes at altitude. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I managed to hang on to the top 10, uh, which I was really happy with. Um, but one year I definitely want to go in fit. Yeah. Because it would be cool to be at the front and like fighting, whereas I ain't fighting. At one point I was running sixth along the flat and four of them came past me like I wasn't moving. Um, so, but no, it's, it's a sick event. Cool. Well, lens are high then. The first thing I, I think we need to talk about is Emmy doing the commentary. Was it for Swiss National TV? Yeah. Yeah, How'd it, it was. go? Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, a great way to commentate. Um, we can coming last as well. It was, um, it was pretty, it was pretty hectic as well for the for the boys. And uh, yeah, it was it was a good experience. I did it before, but I guess yeah, the guy that does it is just so good at his job. So like, it's really easy when you're just there and like, just um, yeah, tell talk about the race, talk about the people that he doesn't know. And then it's just a good mix having someone that knows what he's doing and me just like try to like talk specifics. How did, how did you control the emotions with Cam coming down? Well, it was kind of easy this time-ish because with the, with the Miriam just like fucked it up a little bit for us because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the time she with the time she put down, it was the same as Nina in Fort William. I was just like, oh... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just said, I just said it. I was like, well, 
we didn't need that because this is going to be really hard to be. So you could see this cam was turned like running after her a little bit yeah. the whole way around. But that was like, I guess when you're talking, it makes it better. It's just uh, probably better than like being in the finish area, to be honest. Yeah. Less just thinking about that one yeah. thing. So there were some track changes at Lenza High that made it a bit less bike parky. It looked much better. Was that the case? Did it ride better, Jack? Uh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. It was, uh, it was awkward technical spaced out between flat out bike park. So yeah, rather than it just being flat out bike park, there were some sections to separate riders, one off camber routey section specifically, which was uh, certainly up until race day, it would, you know, it would have a, it was really tricky. And then race day, I think it was just bone dry. So everyone was just yeah. blasting across it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was good. And you had a big one in quality. Tell us about your week, how it ended. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was Dan's first race back um, and we didn't have him in a position to be trying to qualify. He was just getting some bike time. Um, and Anna's in a similar situation to Dan where she's just experiencing World Cups and just kind of getting getting a bit of the racing behind her. So we weren't expecting those two to qualify and they didn't. Um, but then Ben, our junior, didn't have a good weekend. So going up for my quali run, I knew the hopes of the team were on my kind of shoulders and off my practice times, I knew I was going to have to level up. Um, I was I was a couple of seconds shy of where I thought the cut would be and the cut then ended up being even faster. Um, and I, yeah, I just made a couple of mistakes. Um, I was just inside at the first split and then I just made a couple of little errors and I knew I didn't have that to play with. So I just, in the fourth sector, I just really pushed. Um, and honestly, like, yeah, after that, I was just before the fourth split where I crashed and I just got high-sided and had a big one. But yeah, it was uh, it was a bit stupid, really. A little bit of uh, hot-headedness. I didn't, I didn't want the team to not have a rider in and I risked a little bit too much. Um, which is something I want to get out of the habit of doing, obviously being the coach and the team manager and everything else. <laughs> I don't want to be in a position at 33 where I'm uh, I'm risking my own neck because I, I did hit my head and I cut myself to pieces. I looked like I'd been run over basically. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, it was a bit stupid, a bit foolish and it, it changed the way I approached Andorra, which I was happy about. So yeah. Cool. And you're okay now? Yeah, I'm okay now. It was, uh, yeah, I was cut to pieces. I had a nasty one on my hand, which wasn't great for Andorra and, yeah, so but I'm good now. Dan's back with the team. You just mentioned him then. How's how's these elbow doing? Yeah, good. So Lenzai was his first one and he didn't really know what to do. And I kept banging into him, stop, trying to push. Like as soon as he made some comment like, oh, there's this and that. No, <laughs> yeah. not here to fall on that elbow. So he, he, you know, he did that and just rolled down. And I think he was about eight or nine seconds off qualifying. And then in Andorra, obviously another week on the bike and another week of confidence. He, he accidentally almost qualified. He had the same approach and um, was only a bang on a second off making the cut when he wasn't riding how he, how he would normally do. So that was really good, um, really good. And, and he's now fully focused on snowshoe and get, getting back pushing once we get out there. The quality at Lenzerhide was insane, wasn't it? Was, was it the top 16, 10 seconds in the men? Yeah, and Andorra was tight as well. Both yeah. tracks were just like a sprint. Yeah. The, the racing then, I'm going to say something that might be a bit controversial now. I thought the women's race in Lenzerheide was more exciting than the men's. Would you agree with that? Because that, that, that thing happened with the men's where a glut of the protected riders came down early. You had Aaron, Loic, Laurie, mm-hmm. Danny, Troy, Finn, Angel, Greg. They'd all come down and there was still 17 to go. And they're the big names because more often than not, on race day, 
they deliver. And yeah. there was a bit of a lull from 17th right down, I think, till to Matt Walker, who was 7th. I so, can relate yeah. to that because we were standing watching and I left after Matt because we had, we had something going on with our vehicles and our pits. So I didn't watch the last six. But yeah, that's exactly what happened. That Someone even said, I think it was one of the juniors who was standing watching with us, during that period of riders, he even looked across to someone and said, doesn't feel like a World Cup this, what's going on? Um, right. And that that is what happened. I didn't watch the women's because the women's obviously is happening while we're getting yeah. cracked and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, the men's, yeah, I, I, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the women's was like, of course, there's like that whole thing with Valley again then, yeah. which make it really exciting because obviously she like, um, crashed and quality, so she was a bit far down, and then she was doing a great run, and then crashed again, and like caught back up. Yeah, that was and, incredible. Yeah, that was that was pretty sick to watch. And then, and then there's like also a couple of riders that are like close to her time, but not really. A bit like Finn's one, but then obviously there Miriam, and that was like insane to watch. Yeah, and obviously everyone was waiting for Cam to come down. So it kind of like the fact that she was the last rider down, and the Swiss rider, they all like I think also. Like the atmosphere was like a bit more hyped because she was yeah. the last rider down. Yeah, and then the hard is a bit like that where like the, the spectators really hyped up their local riders or like their, their own riders. Yeah, which sometimes in other places it's not really the case. Like they hyped up every rider, but sometimes I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is a bit embarrassing because because when someone else comes down, they don't like they don't give a fuck. They're just like, oh yeah, well, it's whatever. <laughs> Even if it's like Grand Minar or whoever, like if, yeah. if the speaker doesn't say, oh, it's Grand Minar coming down, just give him a round of applause, they'll be like, oh, yeah. So I can relate to him. You also had Rachel Atherton making a comeback. Yeah. Which was another yeah, sure. another interesting factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Lenza Hyde's where she, she laid down probably the greatest women's race run of all time. Uh, good place for her to come back. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know any other place where it would be good for her to come back because obviously she's never been to snowshoe before so she has used this advantage there yeah. once and then you don't want to come back if you're not fit enough and Valdisol same yeah and Andorra well she liked Andorra before but now the Andorra now that we had was like so gnarly and like the risk taking aspect is so big that I think she wouldn't have liked it so I think it was a good a good place for her to come back and she manage it pretty well i'd say yeah i'm not 100% sure on this but i think she might only be two wins off Anne caroline's total number of world cup wins do you think that's possible do you think she could yeah. come back and win again oh winning oh i don't know about that it really depends on like if she starts training again like real hard yeah because she, if she doesn't like she's continue like the way she was doing in Andorra, she's oh in in Lanzar, she's not gonna win but if she gets fitter, like she was so like so much fitter than everybody else <laughs> back yeah. then, then then it could be it could be a factor that's deciding the thing. But I don't know if she's motivated enough to do that and she has like also like the setup that works for it. Yeah. Miriam's run, you mentioned it before. It was one of the one of the great runs potentially. We yeah. we, we know she can do that though, don't we? When when she puts it together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like I'd say the track also, like like Jack mentions, like the changes in the track also kind of saved Cam though, I think. <laughs> and that's why like she was like kind of like won qualities and like got more motivation to like keep things tight. 
or like as tight as you can get because she didn't like Lenzohyde before. And I think that top section, Miriam also naturally likes this stuff, but yeah. like for Cam getting a bit less spark pocket was like really um, life-saving kind of thing. So it, it's good. It's good to see them fighting for it. And, um, but Miriam's run was like on point, no mistakes. And Cam was pushing a little too hard, I guess. Yeah. Well, onto the men's then. Amory took his third win from four races with another faultless run. I mean, yeah, I don't know if anyone has watched the GoPro of it, but it's yeah. well worth it. I did. <laughs> yeah, it's just the same as, I think it's the same as what I said about his Fort William run. Like, you can just see how much trust he's putting in the front end and he's he's pulling the bike off lines and onto lines where everybody else is still like trying to figure out where they are. And the power of the lad and the commitment is... Uh, is one thing, but then the talent he's got as well. You put all those things together and when it works out, it's just unbeatable, isn't he? But like we've seen with the nature of the sport, there's so many other factors. So yeah. in Andorra, he got bit by that tree and it meant he had to roll down for a, for a 13th, which in his books is not, mm-hmm. what, it's, not what he's about. So, no. so yeah, it's, uh, the run was amazing. Greg Minar back on a World Cup podium at 40 years of age. Was that the greatest achievement of the weekend, do you think? I don't know. I, I was completely forgot about Greg, actually, just because he got his run. I was just like, because I was next to the track and I didn't feel watching him ride that he was like on pace or it was just like puzzling so hard with lines and like stopping a lot and like looking a bit like kind of weird on the track. And I was like, well, we've seen Greg do that before. It's not the first time, but usually it doesn't really work out for him when he does that. Right. And he proved me wrong. Like totally, and yeah, I think it's amazing. But I enjoyed like Finn's run, like way more, like the the like the slow mo replay that you see of Finn coming out of that new section. Yeah, freaking bars to the floor. Yeah, scrubbing that like it's insane. I've probably never seen that before. Like it was actually insane run, and I was a bit pissed I didn't win. I was like, oh, I was I've been the one for him, but I guess I'm one of us faster but yeah for sure greg impressive again but yeah i think he pissed off a lot of guys that greg was third again bernard was not happy <laughs> bernard did a good race but he was like ah, greg beat me it's of course like pissing a lot of people off <laughs> <laughs> it's quite cool what you said as well with like his style is it's it's old school with bits of new school in there that he learns learns to add in off other people i guess because he, as he says mm-hmm. he's always watching the youngsters and making sure he tops his tops himself up. And then you compare that to Finn, who's like super talented, new school style. And then at the bottom, they're separated by point fuck all. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's so cool to see that someone who's 40 can race someone who's, and I know he's an exception to the rule, but it is proper yeah. cool. I, I love seeing him do well. Yeah. Him and Gwynny, like last, last two races. To see yeah, I was stoked for Greeny as well. Sick. Mm. Yeah. So on to Andorra then. When you track walked it, what were your thoughts on the track? I thought it was long. And then everyone was like, no, nah, trust me, it's not because it's so fast. And then you do your first practice run and you're like, eh, yeah, it's quite long because you've stopped twice. You don't know where you are. And then I did my first full run on my third run. And I was like, shit, that's not long at all. Like, Because no. mm. it's so fast and the top's so straightforward. You're just like down before you knew it. So it was just basically a sprint. No room for error. And as Emmy said, you had like intensity points on the track where the whole track was risky, but then you had little sections where if you were willing to risk it, like we saw the speed, like was it 
was like the first one we saw who went through those rocks just so fast and it was like holy fuck like little mm. sections like that where you could literally eat seconds out of people or in my case lose them but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're starting doing my gags now there you go <laughs> no but like I, 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 I knew a little bit how it was going to look from like we looked a lot of video for the Catalan Cup that was there and um I mean, it's, it looked like for me when I walked the track, I had a little bit of FOMO. I was like, oh, I wish like I could at least like run the first day before it's completely destroyed and like do like the top section would look so meant to ride, like so fun. But obviously after a few, like a few runs, it deteriorates quite fast, but yeah, like I'm not really good in the dust. So I, I guess I would have been, not been the greatest run of all time, but it was for sure. It looked, it looked fun to ride for sure. Yeah. In the women's valley, finally put one together and what a run it was. It was always going to click at some point though, wasn't it? And yeah. Yeah. Obviously like she's trying harder. She always said like, she's going to send it whatever. And if um, it all clicks and everything goes well, then she's not going to like get that crash. And you could see maybe she was like, because the track was so slippery, maybe pushing a little bit less than, and Fort William, for example, where you could literally see like her sliding every corner and it's going to like, it's going to give way at some point. Um, but yeah, the track was way shorter. So maybe that's also an aspect for her. Yeah. The longer the track gets, the harder it is for her at the end to just like keep it together. And yeah, I guess Miriam, um, I don't know if you get, if you know that George, but she had like a um, stomach bug. So it was, she was like very ill the whole week. Yeah. And I've seen her on track and she was like looking at me like, oh my God, like I'm barely hanging on. And I think in commentary, they said she yeah. was in hospital on the, yeah. on, on the Monday Yeah, she or had something. to get like an IV or something because she was just like, yeah, completely down. So I guess good explanation for why she just like gave it away in finals because obviously at the end of the run, she's just like too tired to like hang on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. C- Cammy continued her run of quali wins, but she, she looked a bit tight in a race run. Is that? Yeah. Is that-, <laughs> that was a hard weekend for Cam. Like after the first day of practice, like after time training, she's literally almost crying in my arms. Like, my God, like I'm so far back. She was like seven seconds back on um, Nina at time training with right. the run she would normally put down. Yeah. And she was like, I'm never going to catch it. Blah, blah, blah. I hate the track. Like it's too dangerous. I'm so scared and blah, blah. And then for some reason, in quality she won quality and I was like what the hell like how did she even do that I was like she was like getting third on the board and I was like oh third is so sick and then suddenly she was like already on the finish line won almost like three seconds in the last bit which was 25 seconds or something and I was just like what the hell just happened so everyone thought it would be normal like a normal weekend for her but it wasn't it was like really really hard for her and then I think she was really happy with like how it went like point wise, but obviously she knew that she had to like risk more than usually on this track. And that's where the mistakes came from, I think, because she tried like to like push really hard and then she got off track and then she wanted to catch up. And then at the end, she trying to catch up. She almost crashed two times and she was like, okay, now I need to chill. So she stayed on the bike, which is like the main thing. And I think second place would have been optimal, but because she was only point one off Nina, but I think it would have been like hard to um, get Valley on this day on a track she doesn't feel comfortable on. Yeah. So, yeah. Valley's riding with that freedom now, isn't she really a little bit? But 
you know, because she's not chasing the overall, really. Well, or yeah, is no, she? Yeah, no, she's not. No, I don't think she is, but she could. Yeah. We've seen that in the past. So someone that's not chasing the overall can suddenly win the overall, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. So Cammy's extended a lead to 180 points. She's on 1,085. Miriam's in second on 905. And then Valley in third on 811. Valley's winning Valnord means it's a three horse race now, I'd say. Jack, who do you think's the favorite? Cammy with the points and the consistency. Miriam with the experience and the raw pace or Valley with the similar pace and, and less expectation, but the least points. Yeah, I mean, statistically, I think I'd have to go for Cam just because yeah. she's she's more consistent. Um, I can see her just being on that podium the next three races, maybe maybe a win in there. Um, whereas the other two, you know, stats kind of suggest that, yeah, they might both win one each, but they might also be out of the points in one of them. So, but as Emmy says, anything can happen. Cool. On to the men's race then. A lot of crashes. Remy Mayer-Smith's looked the worst and, and Finn nearly did the, the same in his race run going off that off the side of the ramp at the end. Were you pretty unhappy with those those sections of track, Emmy? Well, um, from what I've heard, and Cam talked a lot with like uh, Angel Suarez who um, raced the Catalan Cup, he gave, a, he gave a very specific feedback to the track builders after the Catalan Cup saying... This is not working. The bridge are not safe. Try to like do this better. And it did nothing from right. all the points that he like pointed out. So obviously after that, you're like, well, this is not the way it should be. Like, I think every rider can say like, and there is su- supposed to be like a UCI rule that you're not allowed to like put any bridges with a 90 degree turn on them. Like it's not something that is safe especially bridges with like rubber mats on them when it's 35 degrees and yeah like it's a bit of shame like that that finish drop it's just like first of all not nice to for riders to ride and second of all it looks like shit and it's unsafe so it's only negative to be honest yeah and like it's never the first time people like just bring a pile of dirt and like do dirt lighting all a wall ride or something else than just landing on a rubber mat with like a lot like a, a another mat on the side that's not really fixed properly <laughs> and people yeah. go over the bars onto concrete like it's just not something that should happen in my opinion but sounds harsh but i think it it's really needs to change no you did right and when i came through in my quali the rider in front had crashed on that drop and when i came off the drop i landed exactly where i planned to land but the rider that had crashed hit the pad and pulled the pad away from the side so when I landed, my left foot and pedal smashed into the pad, almost pulled me off my bike, managed to get away with it. But I then pulled the pad even further into the track. Mm-hmm. So then the rider after me, I think it was Fishy, he nailed into it as well. And that could have been two riders injured who no fault of their own. Like we weren't offline. It was just because it's a dangerous mm-hmm. section of track. And yeah, as Emmy says, this is what people need to understand. It's dangerous enough for us riders. You yeah. don't need shoddy track maintenance and shoddy trail building and organisation making it worse. So. From from a TV perspective, it looked great. It looked like it was a great spectacle of, of a race. But tell us a bit about, I've heard the pits were like four kilometres away or something. Is that yeah, right? the pits were yeah. where they always were, at the top of the old chairlift, which is the top of the old track. Yeah, But this new track was on a different hill. So, yeah, you had to go down and up. Um, so there was no way to ride there. So you really had to use your own team shuttle or you had to use 
the shuttle that was provided. But again, that didn't run particularly well. We, we found ourselves waiting for that quite a few times. Even going for quali, we, we were having to say, where's the driver? We were loaded up on this pickup and there was no fucking driver. And it right. took 15 minutes to find a driver to take us back over. So, yeah, I mean, there's been worse things, but at the same time, it's a World Cup. Like, yeah, it wasn't ideal. Yeah, there's like a lot of stuff, like the brightest um, warm-up area at the top, a low platform, like in the shade. There's no shade, there's no trees, there's no nothing. So there's a low Red Bull tent that doesn't barely have any shape. Yeah. And then there's like a platform that's not flat. So you want to kind of use it for your roller to fall off the roller all the time when you try to do sprints and then they didn't close the riders area either so for the men elite maybe there's less people that prefer the woman elite when everybody tried to like walk down the track they come and like in your face literally in your face touching your stuff like i've never seen what? that before oh. yeah i had to, to take the old maid off he was just like lifting like doorball's front wheel from the trainer bike and try to like look at it and i was just like um, maybe you shouldn't <laughs> touch the stuff and they're walking through the like water pits and like riders like warm-up area and stuff and I was just like what is this like and then for the big like for the men that they realized and they closed it off but like yeah. I mean that shouldn't be a thing first yeah. of all it should be way bigger if, imagine like side winds side rain with lots of wind up there with yeah. one tent that doesn't have walls anything like it would have been like a disaster and yeah. you could only get about 10 riders under that tent, probably. Hey, not even. Max. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, they were lucky this time, but um, definitely some stuff to improve um, logistic-wise, for yeah. sure. So you, you mentioned Amory's crash already, Jack. He nearly ended his season there. I don't know about you two, but for me, him getting up and racing again really reminded me of 2019. Do you remember when he crashed in Mont Saint-Anne? He was leading the overall and he got up and... He had that brutal crash in the rock garden mm. and he still got up and raced. Is this the kind of race, is that where titles are won by getting that 13th rather than not riding? Could be, couldn't it? Have to do a points count at the end of the year. Yeah, I think, yeah, sent, I, I think it was impressive. It sends a message as well, doesn't it, to everybody else. If you want this, you're going to have to go further mm -hmm. than I would to get it, you know. I th yeah, I think there were two things that show how strong those top boys are as well. Two things happened at the weekend that really highlight it. One was him getting up after that crash and still racing to 13, when he, he literally stopped dead from like, what, 20 odd mile an hour. Yeah. The second was how the hell Finn didn't go over the handlebars. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, is, that is strength. He was offline, front wheel was trying to wash, all his weight was on the bars, feet were out of the pedals, and he rode the stem round a berm through rocks. Like, that just shows how hard these mm -hmm. boys are working. Like, Fair play. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive to watch. He was like, I'm not going down. <laughs> this yeah. is not happening. It was really impressive. Yeah. So it was perfect weekend for Loris Vergier. He looked to have banished a few demons with that run, didn't he? Yeah, it was impressive to watch in practice as well. Um we're all talking like on like about that stump gap, George, you know, like yeah. where people like and it was a little bit of a mare, like, uh, to be honest, at the beginning, some stumps were, like, uncut on the side and people, like, catching pedals and go over the bars. And and Loris was literally, like, probably the first top guy, I'd say, to, like, hit it. Yeah. There was, like, Ronan Dunn and, like, some other person that's, like, have the balls to hit it, so to say. But, like, he was the first one to just hit it from, like, the top five. And yeah. I was like, ooh, 
that means something. And like did as well quite early. And then they cut all the stumps on the sides and then more people trying to like do it. But yeah, it's commitment and it shows how Loris is confident at the moment, for yeah. sure. But Loic, he's broken collarbones seven weeks before or whatever, sending that into there. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what can you say? Like, I thought he'd be taking it easy a bit until Worlds, but there's no sign of that whatsoever, is there? I think that's why he didn't come back early, isn't it? Like, I remember asking him at Leo Gang, I said, oh, I'm surprised you're not racing because I've had a collarbone plated before. And even though it's not strong, once you've had it plated, it feels fine. Um, and that's, he, he didn't come back early because he, he knows that when he's back racing, he's fucking racing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you've mentioned Finn already and that save, which was incredible. He's, he's, he had a fantastic run, really. He's had two second places now, a third and a fourth this season, and he obviously missed one round with the concussion. It's good to see him finally delivering, isn't it, on the, on the potential? Absolutely. I'm a big fan, as you can tell probably from everything I said before already. <laughs> no, but I think he's just, like, such a nice guy as well. Like, he's just, like, down to earth and just, like, I just really approachable. And, like, his aggression on the bike is just really... Yeah. Um, nice to watch and in the past it probably didn't serve him like he had a lot of crashes and like but I guess now he's just kind of like trying to find this, this thin line and he was saying to me he was like ah oh, about Amory's crash we talked about Amory's crash after the race and he was like oh probably he thought he was God or something <laughs> and then and then he was like yeah it happens to me sometimes and I'm like oh maybe I should try this gap <laughs> and then like he said no 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 just like get this that, that out of your head and just like write how are you supposed to and i think this little voice in his head trying to calm him down is like really helping him to get the results yeah 100% aaron going back on a podium he's he's done it in all condition but that's probably about as close as we'll we'll ever get to socal on a on a world cup race isn't it yeah i've never been but yeah from the videos do you think he he's going to sustain this now? I mean, Mont Saint Anne is he had famous victory there. I'd, I'd love to see it. Like it's, it's funny, like because obviously Dan's riding for our team and he's twenty and he's not been around the sport that long. And like he, he missed like the Guinea years, and we were already driving back from Andorra when the finals happened, so we had it on in the van. And and I said to Dan when Gwyn was in the gate, I said, "Strap yourself in," and he went, "What?" I was like, you just wait. And then the first split come up or whichever split came up when he was one point somewhat up and Dan went, what? what? I was like, trust me, mate, this boy is so fast in these conditions. And yeah, it's meant to see him back. So going to Mont Saint-Anne, we've all seen what he's done there before. And Valdesol, we've all seen what he's done there before. Yeah. What, eight second win however many years ago? Yeah. So yeah. It's exciting. It'd be good to see him back mixing it with the young guns. Yeah, it's mega. Yeah, yeah. It's really mega to see. Um, Last thing I wanted to talk about was Andreas Kolb. He's on a roll. Since he broke his elbow, he's podiumed in Lear Gang, won European Championships, fourth in Lenzerheide and then fifth in Andorra. He's made the jump, hasn't he, up to that, that you know, podium podium contender level. Do, do you mm-hmm. think that's something he'll be able to sustain like Benoit's done or, or do you think he might fade away now? I don't know. Like, I feel like, well, I've spent quite a lot of time with Andy because obviously um, he's also on Continental and um, he, I feel like, especially in in Andorra, I don't think he really liked the track as much. Like he was just a bit scared, I think, yeah. of the speed. And talking to me on the side of the track, he was like, oh my God, like 
and you could see him on his riding, but him still getting a top five with like, it's like same as Cam, like when you don't like the track, it's like shows how on form you are and it gives you confidence as well for the track that you like. So if like he doesn't have a big crash or something or a mechanical, I think he will still like be in the top 10 all the time from now on. Yeah, so it's a bit, it reminds me a bit of David Trummer a couple of years ago when he... I was thinking the same thing. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so he's definitely arrived. There is one more rider I want to talk about. Let's talk a bit about Thibaut de Prella. When, yeah. when bands have a, a huge hit with, with the first album, the second album is often described as being the difficult <laughs> second album. We saw the same thing happen with Matt Walker last season. Do you think he's trying to rein it in a bit to, to cut out the crashes, but but just taking too much off? A great metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, Cam was telling me how like he was struggling, like mentally, um, to find what well, after his, his crash and after what happened also in the yeah. overall last year. And um, yeah, he's struggling for sure, but it, it just need one run where everything clicks and then we'll be back. So. I wouldn't wouldn't write it off just quite yet, but um, definitely strung a lot mentally, and um, well, we'll see what happens. But I think Snowshoe is not really in his <laughs> nicest memories, so <laughs> we'll see how he does there. Yeah, so you could compare him to Finn because obviously he came out of junior, everybody expecting these fireworks, and uh, it's hard. Like mm-hmm. we're going to see the same with Jackson and Jordan next year, like. It's really difficult. There's like so many guys now who can get those top 10, top five results. And when that expectation's on your shoulders and it's not working, as Emmy says, it's going to affect you mentally. And you can see that in his riding. So I think it'll just take a little bit of time and however many seasons it does take, I, I think he will. it will click for him like it's doing with Finn now, but he might just need a little bit of time to just figure it all out. So last year I backed Valley all the way until snowshoe and then and then i was like no i i yeah it isn't gonna happen this year i've backed tebow all the way until now tebow i'm not backing you anymore i i'm gonna i'm doing it for you don't bet on anybody in my team or anyone i coach hopefully that's uh, <laughs> that's the monkey off tivo's back there and he can he can pull it out of the bag in snowshoe um so the standings with three rounds to go amory's still well clear on 930 finn's in second on 666 loris is now third with 655 matt walker's in fourth with 564 and danny and benoit are tied for fifth on 515 if you were out in amory's position now jack with three races to go how would you play it? Just, yeah, I mean, he's got to play it smart because it's just there for him to have. But he's also got to not overthink it because he'd be a bit annoyed if, if you know, he just gave it away by just not going fast enough. So he, he knows he's got the pace, doesn't he? So if it, Does he just than, need three top 10 finishes? Will that do it, do you reckon? I don't know. I'm not a numbers guy like that. It took me, it took me weeks to work that out, but... It's about but yeah, basically for a top ten. He's got like to go in, follow his process, but also avoid being a dickhead like he was on Sunday morning. Like he don't need to do that shit. Like yeah. he knows he's fast enough. So just ride your lines, ride your mm-hmm. bike, follow your process, listen to your people, do your thing. Whereas if he goes trying to light the world up, then he might end up fucking it. Yeah. If mm-hmm. he podiums, I'm pretty sure if he podiumed every round that that would be it. I don't I don't I think I think top ten could do it depending who's winning. If Finn wins every round, maybe not, but 
yeah. had that that will happen. So if someone like Loic starts winning, it will play in his like in in Amory's favor. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned the junior men before Jackson and Jordan. Tell me a bit about this fastest time of the weekend from Jackson. Did the track deteriorate that much? I think Emmy's yeah, the best person to answer that one. Track side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, definitely. Well, um, even like I went up with Jenna, so the junior woman's, yeah. and we looked at the track from like the lift and she was like, oh yeah, on that last turn, maybe I should take inside. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, the one in the open just before you get onto the bridge. And and then I went up with Cam for her last practice run and I was like, oh, inside's gone. It's like not even an hour. Yeah. So um, I think, I well, Jackson was looking amazing on track, like probably level of all the elites. But I think um, there was more wind for the elites, 100%. There's already a difference of wind between the women's. Like Cam, you could literally see like the, the tape flattering when Cam was riding and you cannot see that when Valley was on track. And that could also explain a little bit the 1.6 at the top because she was just like, I'm standing still on that first train. So mm. that was a big aspect. But obviously like the track is the wind at the top. And then obviously like he would have been close, but I think three seconds, <laughs> a little bit of a push for like on onto someone like Loris. Yeah, yeah. I think for me is like the track can only have changed so much. So yeah, it will have it will have deteriorated because it was a dry, blown out track that then had all those wheels down it from when the juniors raced at nine in the morning or whatever time. Yeah. So it will have changed, but it can only have changed so much. It was still the same track. So those boys would have still had top tens. Maybe. Oh yeah. Would be on I think maybe better even. Exactly. So you can't take anything away from them, but also like oh, no. they're going to get their chance to race against the elites very soon. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, Jackson had looked amazing all weekend and that gap he did on off that last bridge is just fucking stupid, like unbelievable. Um, I don't know if everyone saw that on his YouTube course. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. The maddest thing I've seen today, I would say. Like you'd come onto the bridge, break and then roll down and catch your landing and he was not breaking, jumping off it. and get, I don't know if he raced that line, but it was mad. Whereas I know that Jordan has kind of, I don't know if struggled with the track is the, is the word, but um, he, he certainly kind of, his dad wasn't feeling like Jordan was any anywhere going to win, basically, um, or even struggle to get the podium. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when we saw his time in the morning, we were like, wow, um, he'd really leveled up to, to do that time. Yeah. So that was a big achievement for him, for sure. Uh, but it's exciting racing. and It's going to be interesting to see what those boys can do next year because, like we just said, they, they're getting podium slash top 10 pace quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and if they, if they just jump in and do that next year, they're going to ruffle some feathers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in junior women, you picked Gracie Hemstreet at the start of the season, Emmett. She's taken three wins from five, just like Amory, although Phoebe Phoebe Gale took the win in Andorra. What did you see in her that made well, you think? I think she's just like, um, I would say Phoebe Gale is like the better racer in the sense of like preparation and like racing strategy with like um, also Chris Kilmurray that coaches her, gives a lot of knowledge. But Gracie is more, I feel like, like the bike handling and the way she just like, um, controls the bike also in the air and like 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Tables, basically almost every finish jump that there is. Um, I don't know if she said Linda Hart, she's like table the last drop and I was like what the hell like <laughs> even the guys don't do that it's just like it's really impressive like how she likes has fun on a bike and I think for a junior it's like almost probably the most important thing mm-hmm. if you enjoy your race run you're going to be fast and um, yeah I don't know like Gracie's Canadian so months and she'll be like extra motivated but I think Phoebe is like coming strong now and if she like start to get more consistent she'll be hard to beat for the overall so it's gonna be tight and um yeah, yeah. see what jenna is gonna do yeah well that was well. my next question she's in third she, she um she's a first year junior no she's not but she's she's uh, didn't race overseas before she's never been right. overseas before yeah um so she did all the like crank work summer series in new zealand and performed there like in the elite as well wonder downhill and stuff in front of like pretty big names yeah, but uh, obviously started with a sixth and a fifth, and then like she's on a roll for podiums now because yeah. she's doing all her learning about European tracks and stuff. So yeah, I-, I would say she's a bit less serious than the other two, like in her approach. Yeah, but I don't think it's a problem because that's a, like a first walk-up experience. It needs to be that way. Like you need to be relaxed and enjoy what you're doing, and then you can um, take it more seriously when. But these girls are all doing like almost top 10 women. I, yeah. I checked it. Like Phoebe would have been like fifth or sixth. And like, it's it's pretty cool to see that they will have qualified almost have all the rounds. Yeah. Those three juniors. And not forget Isabella because Isabella is world champion and yeah. uh, she's going to fight for that title. I'm pretty sure yeah. as well. Going to be cool. Right. That's it for part one. We'll be back with Luca Shaw after these messages. Time to make your bike ride like the pros. World Cup level suspension tuning and servicing from the expert team at JTEC Suspension. Built off years of knowledge and experience, the team at JTEC Suspension will service and tune your suspension to make sure it's in tune with your riding style and terrain to shave those vital seconds off your next race run. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk today and see how their expert team can transform your suspension performance. Me again, it's Sasha at Revolution Bike Park. It's that time again. We're going to go and have a chat to a few people about what they think is the best thing about Revolution Bike Park. Collins Corners. (laughs) No, everything. (laughs) Everything. Just the last stuff. Collins, the new track. Uh... 
red. Oh, the tracks, it's the downhill, the techie stuff for me, definitely. Love it. Um, yeah, it's just different than any other one, I think. Just, like, I go to quite a few bike parks uh, quite often. I mean, but for me, Revs is definitely my favourite. The tracks here, like, um, yeah, it's. I don't think there's any much like it. There's a few local places, like off piece stuff, but for downhill stuff, I mean, even Dovey's got really good tracks. Um, awesome bike park, but they don't have the same tight in the trees and stuff like that. And I think that's the stuff I love most, really. Yeah. Lucas Shaw, we chatted briefly in Fort William, but welcome properly to the Making of the Numbers podcast. How are you doing? Hey, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm home, home uh, resting up my broken wrist, but yeah, all good. And, and whereabouts is home? Uh, North Carolina. So like Brevard, Brevard, North Carolina, Western North Carolina. So haven't been home for two and a half months. So pretty, pretty nice to just lay low for a little bit. Yeah. Excellent. Right, Lucas. So you haven't done a podcast for a while, so we'll go back a little bit. 2014, you're a second year junior and you won round one in Peter Marisburg. How did it feel to be winning the World Cups as a junior? Man, yeah, you're going way back. <laughs> uh, yeah, 2014. Um, yeah, obviously it was great. It's nice to start the season strong. And um, I, I'd only gotten one podium my previous year. It was obviously my first year junior. Um, so I, I definitely was looking to, you know, be on the podium a lot more, but then to come out and win the first race, I was obviously super, super excited. So, and yeah, that set the tone for, for a really exciting and good year, good battle with Loris all, all year down to the wire. So, um, but yeah, that, that seems like a, so long ago now. Um, yeah, for yeah. Sure. good memories though. Awesome memories. I, I missed going to that race. Actually, that track was different like not my favorite track but a cool experience altogether um a lot different than all the other world cups that was the one where everyone was running dropper posts wasn't it pia maritzburg a lot of people did yeah i i never did but there was i guess the first maybe jack you'd probably know like the first few years there it was even worse right the flat bit because there was no jumps <laughs> so people would yeah. put the dropper on oh yeah. we always had jumps jumps Horrible. to keep the speed going <laughs> i actually really liked it it's kind of like bmx background for me so kind of suited me <laughs> yeah first time i went there was in 12 and they yeah they didn't have any jumps and i think if, if i remember right emmy you'll know this i think did they put the jumps in the worlds in 13 is that right yeah yeah second so- year Mm-hmm. When I went back in fourteen. It was a lot nicer, but yeah, twelve. I was uh, I was still at uni. And I, I did not have the fitness for that pedal. Uh, <laughs> I, remember, I remember it well. So skipping yeah. through that year, then um, you had a great season. Third in Leo Gang, one month in Anne, second in Wyndham, and then fifth in Maribel and finished the year second overall behind Loris, like you said. Also in junior that year were Omri Piron, Reese Wilson, Laurie Greenland, and Thomas Stack. Hell of a class to be a part of. That's a really competitive year. Yeah, and also Kolb. Um, he like it's oh, yeah, Andy. Uh, Andreas. Yeah. No way. Yeah. When when I look at the results sheet now and I see all the nineteen ninety six names, it's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, it, it, I mean that definitely shaped shaped it for me because having that competition from the beginning and it's pretty like honestly I'm pretty proud like of our class, our junior class, like <laughs> yeah. now, now seeing, I love seeing it. like how, how far we've come is, is pretty damn cool actually. So yeah, we, we definitely had some stiff competition in the junior, junior ranks. George, that's one for your stats guy. Has there been 
an elite men's podium with just 96 guys on there. You won't be mm. far off with those guys. That would be, I doubt it though. Mm. I don't It'd think be hard. It'd be hard, yeah. but yeah. It could happen for sure. It's, yeah. I've, I've, it's weird for me because I was just getting into kind of downhill around that time. And I always think Lawrence was the man, wasn't he, in junior Coming up, he was like, like when we had Amory on the pod, he was like, yeah, Loris was, Loris was the man. Yeah, Loris was the man. Was- I've always known him being on the team with kind of, he was on the team with Bruni when they first started. And so mm-hmm. I've always known him, Bruni being the man, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But he yeah, was. Yeah, Loris was fast. I mean, he's always been fast. And he was at least my second year junior. Like it, I was sort of chasing him all year. Um, yeah. I, I got him. I got two wins that year and he i don't know he must have won three or maybe even four but yeah and then he won worlds as well so um yeah he's been painting my ass for a long time now <laughs> still is still is yeah it's, it's funny like there's no way of knowing but listing off those names obviously reese has been world champion omri's won the overall laurie you've had lots of success Back then, obviously, Loris had Bruni and Bruni had had that experience with Sam when Bruni was a junior. So yeah. we all know how helpful he was to Loris and there's no way of knowing, but I, I wonder how influential that was on Loris's future success, having having that guidance. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Must be. So um, 2015 and 16, you rode for SRAM Trolley Designs and another couple of really good years. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Those guys like SRAM basically took me under my wing from the, from the start. Um, and I was, they were like my family, like for those four years. And it was a really cool kind of introduction to the world cup scene through them. Cause obviously I, I was always in the SRAM pit and it's quite a like social place. And there's, it wasn't like I was just with my little team bubble and that was it. Like, there was so many riders and other teams like always kind of in and out of the pit and stuff. So got to meet a lot of people that way too. And those guys definitely, it was, it was cool. Cause like as a junior, I was, I was, they would obviously help me if I needed, but I didn't have a mechanic or anything. And I was kind of having to take care of myself quite a lot. Yeah. So I kind of learned, learned a lot as far as yeah, working on my own bike and just making sure I was organized so they didn't have to worry about me. So <clears throat> So yeah, and then my first year, two years in pro, I, I eventually had a mechanic, JT, who's with the Valley Holes team now. Um, yeah. He was he was taking care of me the last year, but uh, no, it was it was awesome, awesome times traveling with those guys, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun, that's for sure. Yeah, my memories of you from back then were constantly seeing you in there and thinking, why is that guy not on one of the big teams? And then like. Not long after, obviously. Off, off yeah. So, um, 2015, you were 11th at the first World Cup in Lords and 10th at the next one in Fort William. Skipping on to 2016, 6th at Fort William, 7th at Lenside. Um, as a junior, had you been comparing your times to, to the elites? Did, did you then go into elite and, and do the things you'd planned? How did it measure up? Yeah, I mean, definitely from my first race as a junior, more out of curiosity than anything, but always comparing the times. Like there was not a single race where I didn't like, okay, what place it was like the race in junior, but then it was like, watch the finals and be like, okay, where would I've slotted in? Um, so yeah, constantly comparing my times and, uh, 
Yeah, I knew like we've all seen it like fast juniors when they go to pro the next year. It's like kind of sink or swim. Um, and I knew it was a crucial year and I, I needed to yeah, improve a lot if I still wanted to get the results that I was kind of searching for. So yeah, that that first that first race at Lord, um, I definitely surprised myself by getting 11. And that actually set me up so well for really my next few years because from that point on, I was a protected rider. So yeah. that was huge for me because I went to Fort William already protected. Like I had, I did that. I did not expect that at all. Yeah. And then I was able to not stress so much about qualifying and actually try and like have a really good qualifying run. And that kind of helped bring my confidence up and, uh, and yet kind of rolled from there. So yeah, my second race already, I was 10 and then didn't quite get back into the top 10 that year, but just from then on, pretty much I've been, there's been like two races in my career that I wasn't protected. So I oh, think that's that? something. Lucky <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel for you, Jack. I really, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want that stress at every race, yeah. but, um, but I think that was like, that was unexpected, but really like a, a super like help helpful thing for me just to instantly be kind of in the protected top 20 guys and and kind of was able to worry more about the race and not worry so much about just getting through and then yeah having to deal with that so um yeah those those two years rolled pretty i mean i definitely obviously it was there was loris of course who got podium in his first year pro i remember at Wyndham, and i just remember watching and being a little bit pissed off but uh but the next year i was able to get on the podium so i was pretty proud of that yeah nice yeah, moving on to like Jack mentioned it shortly to 2017, the big move for you to the Santa Cruz Syndicate. Um, tell us, tell us a bit about how that came about. And I guess you must have been pretty excited. For sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, like I had a great season in 2016, um, podium and a bunch of top tens, mm -hmm. and I had like quite a few teams kind of asking me what my plans were, and I was in pretty serious chats with a few of them, and uh, but in the end, like as soon as I had that Santa Cruz, like syndicate offer, it was, it was kind of like in my heart, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, obviously being like such a big fan of the sport for so long and PD and Greg and rat, like it was just coming off rats, you know, insane mm -hmm. run of yeah. form. So, um, I, I felt like it was an opportunity that maybe wouldn't come knocking again. So I, I jumped on it. Um, and, and yeah, that it was, it was kind of a, cool moment to see my name in that, in that kind of syndicate. Uh, yeah. To be one of the syndicate writers, there's not been that many. So it was, I was super yeah, proud of sure. that and really excited. And yeah, it was uh, the start of a lot of really great years with them. So um, tell us a bit about being on the team with Greg, you mentioned him um, because I guess you kind of like his prodigy or you like had, he was like obviously way older than he still is. Like, how was it to be with Greg on a team? It was good. Like, especially at the beginning, it was really good. Um, I was obviously like, he, I was just a fan, you know, and I, I didn't really <laughs> like measure myself to him. Um, and the first like two years, I, like with Loris, obviously, then is Loris and I again. Uh, it was Loris and I and Greg. So we were sort of the, the young puppies. Like he, and in mm -hmm. that first year, he was on fire too. He almost won the overall. Um, and, and we were kind of just like shooting for podiums. I don't think I even got a podium that year. I don't remember, but, um, 
So it, like the, the team dynamic was really cool and it, I, I liked it. Um, but as like, as we got faster, I, I feel like the dynamic switched a little bit. Um, Greg is like really, really competitive as we all are. And, um, it's, it's tough being teammates with someone who you're like, you want to beat so bad. So, and, and that was kind of interesting dynamic for a bit, but, uh, no, it was, I obviously learned so much from, from Greg and, and especially Petey as well. Cause he was kind of team manager, team coach role all my years there. And, and he still is. So, um, no, it was a really good learning opportunity and, um, yeah, many good memories as well. We, we definitely had fun. So, yeah, it seemed like it. Well, I mean, it started really well. Like you, you were in 2018, you like second in, in Croatia, at mm-hmm. one, one, and then you had like all this amazing runs, like especially qualifying runs. We kind of like try to debate with like George and, and Jack trying to make it like not sound negative, but obviously <laughs> in this season, you're like battling to like convert one of this amazing qualifying run into a final yeah. run. And from the result, I mean, George put the result in the script and it's like 59th, 42nd and 35th after being first. And we're like, well, yeah. that sounds a bit shit, but I guess it's the reality. And like, I guess it was, must have not be easy to like being in such, you know, like you have the pace, but yeah. kind of like, so how did you feel like about all this, this whole thing? this whole situation yeah it, it was it was uh it was a cool yeah it was hard to deal with but um it was really really good for me to go through that I think like um mm-hmm. that year I started off like I was riding like super well and and I was kind of just surprising myself like um first race I was second to Gwini in Croatia and mm-hmm. like really less than a second like from the win and I was totally kind of surprised like I didn't I didn't like expect that. Um, and then like Fort William qualified first with just like a smooth run. And again, I was really surprised, obviously super stoked. Um, but then I got a flat. So that ruined that for me. Like I did that. I wouldn't say is my fault so much. Like I I was first at the first split and then I got a flat and I actually still like my qualifying time was faster than the race time. So I knew that I, could have I could have done it like I I kind of yeah. obviously I didn't get the the joy of the victory but mm-hmm. I was obviously gutted but I knew that I could have done it and that was already quite a big thing for me is like kind of proved to myself like okay I can win one of these things which you know has had never been in my mind before um and then Leo gang the next weekend totally different track totally different conditions everything qualified first again and I remember being <laughs> like pretty surprised at that one because I didn't really feel that good in practice and but it was just, yeah, things were rolling for me. And then I was on a really good run in finals and was up at the last or next to last split, whatever, close to the last split and had just one of the like strangest crashes I've, I, I've ever had, like didn't really feel like it was, I was riding over my head or anything. And I didn't feel nervous or anything like that. Just had a really weird crash. And I remember being pretty confused by it and not really feeling like it was one of those that I need to like learn so much from is kind of one of those that you, you know, it happens. Like I didn't feel like I was riding tight and nervous or riding over my head or anything like this. So that obviously sucked, but you know, another like Mm -hmm. crazy weekend because I was kind of right at the top again. I was, yeah. And Amari won both of those, but I was, I was definitely on the pace. And then, uh, fast forward, later that year in Andorra when I qualified first for the third time 
that time, like I fully was, I was fully a wreck, like in my head. I was, <laughs> I knew that I was like, okay, like yeah. I should really try, I should win one of these now. Like I, I've obviously <laughs> been, been in the position too and not put it together. And, um, I definitely put way too much pressure on myself. And I, and I remember riding down that run and like, I was so tight and so nervous and not flowing, not, not letting the track come to me. It was, it was bad. Like I wasn't even on a very good run and then I crashed at the bottom. So that was terrible. Mm -hmm. That one was, that one was the, the one that I kind of have the worst memories from. Um, the other two, I kind of felt like I was, I, I handled the pressure really well. Um, I didn't feel like it was in my head at all, but that third one, I remember because everyone was like, oh, this is it. He's going to finally do it. And, and yeah, that one went up in flames. So, um, that's, that's re really interesting to hear. Cause I was, the next question I was going to ask was about whether it was the pressure because on the, the, the rounds in between when you didn't qualify fastest. So Val de Sol round four, you qualified fifth and you finished fourth and yeah. then Monsen and you qualified fourth and you finished sixth. So yeah. it's almost like that being it, from looking at the stats, it it was like being last man down the hill. It's just yeah. too much pressure, but obviously not. No, I mean, in Andorra for sure. Like yeah. it was, it was on my mind and it was in my head and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to win this race. I just can't make a mistake. Like that was my mentality and that's not the mentality to have at all. So, um, but no, and I actually remember about a soul that year, I, I had a huge mistake at the top, like almost crashed, blew my feet off. Like, so I wasn't very happy with my run at all. And I brought back a lot of time. And I remember thinking like, dang, that was another one that kind of felt like I, I may have had the pace to win there. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a kind of a crazy year. Cause I was sort of just rolling and yeah. I was riding good and riding confident, but like, I didn't expect any of it. So it was, it was cool. It was, it was definitely um, it's definitely better than being off the pace and crashing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy <laughs> how, how we see in this sport how riders get on a roll and they just can't yeah. really put the finger on why they're on the roll. But once yeah. they're on it, they just keep going. And, and we see it so well, many times, people it, winning back-to-backs yeah. and three, threes. And, yeah, I mean, those those exact same races, was that was Amari's first win in Fort William. Yeah. And look what he did since then, you know? like. Yeah is crazy like he went on to win three in a row and then won the championship that year and ever since then when he's healthy he's he's the guy to beat almost you know um so that definitely was a big big year for him would you say that as you described you weren't expecting to qualify first so then going into finals because of that did you almost struggle to because we all know how smooth you are like emmy will agree from trackside when you come past it just looks like you're not trying and it's like um, <laughs> so if you then go into finals off a first qualifier that you weren't expecting were you then changing the perspective in your mind and riding differently yeah i think so like um i i, I mean i think the best like races you know, I've ever had is when I'm sort of not thinking about anything and it just comes, it just, you're in a flow and it's not like nothing's forced. Um, yeah. and I feel like for whatever reason, especially that year, it was a lot easier for me to do that in qualifying. Um, is like no pressure really. No. Yeah. It just kind of didn't seem like it mattered. So it was easy to perform. And, and obviously I feel like I've gotten better at, at that. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm constantly learning. Like, this year again has been a bit annoying because I've, I've had some crashes and race run and 
yeah so it's it's such a i mean that's where this sport is so so tough is like it's the it's such a fine line and you have to go for it and you have to have the confidence to go for it and it's so easy to just be a little bit off pace and and that's almost like to me that's the worst like i yeah. As much as I hate crashing and it hurts and it sucks, like yeah. coming down and knowing that you didn't really push it as hard as you could and being like off the pace is, is definitely a worse feeling for me. So, yeah. um, and the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta take some risks and you gotta, you gotta go for it. Um, I think yeah. I, I still need to fine tune that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's part of why we love it. You know, it's so hard to do it right. So. <laughs> yeah. The reason, the, reason, the reason I asked you that was because. I kind of, like I've said before to people, I kind of tripped and fell into this. So whenever I've had a good qualifying, I felt so out of place mm-hmm. at the top. Yeah. Like I, rem- I remember Val de Sol in 2011 when I qualified 12th and I was standing there with Greg and everyone else. And I was like, what yeah. the fuck am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like I was still at uni and, and I just, just blew up on the track because I went into it feeling like I had to do something different to what mm-hmm. I'd done throughout the entire weekend. And I didn't have anybody there. It was just me and the old man. So I didn't have anybody there to tell me, like I did mm-hmm. with Dan last year in Maribor, don't change anything. Yeah, like, yeah. That time's there for a reason. Just go and do that again. Um, yeah. And the reason I asked you that question is hearing what you and George both said, like Omri and wh- whoever else we listed were almost lucky that that moment of brilliance came in the finals run, not the quality yeah. Because you did it in the quality run and then <laughs> I have to go through what I went through. And fuck, I've yeah. now got to back that shit up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas they they just came down and were like, fuck, I've won. And then that's it. They're, yeah. they're not wave then. Yeah, totally. So yeah, you just need to go and do it in a finals run, dude, and you will be away. Yeah. That's the one. Qualify further back and then just take them down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like one thing I've noticed that's hard to kind of deal with mentally that, um, I still str- struggle a little bit with is when you have a really good qualifying run and you kind of nail everything, it feels effortless. You feel like you're riding good, nail all your lines. It's like, you don't feel like you've left much room for improvement. And that's really tough when you know, everyone's going to go five, six seconds quicker the next day. Um, and in the back of your mind, you're like, Ooh, can I do that? Like, that was pretty good. What I just did. Yeah. And, and that's like kind of like a, a battle that you have in, in your head, you know, um, so hard, isn't it? but yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, it's like the less you can think the better off you'll be <laughs> like, it's like, just take this brain out and just yeah. ride. Like, I, I feel like for me, at least that's, that's something I constantly have to try and remind myself. Um, especially when you're getting in the gate, it's like, right. Like forget all that just ride so yeah. but yeah easier said than done for sure <laughs> no, it's really interesting hearing you talk about that what i wanted to ask about was like the move to the syndicate was like massive mm. with hindsight do you think it might have happened a bit early like if it happened now do you think it might have been a bit different as a bit older on or, or not um so hard i mean so hard to say like like I said, when, it, when I got that opportunity, like it, it feels like one of those that y- you, you might never get again. So yeah. you kind of just gotta, you gotta take it while it's there. Um, and, and it's, I don't know. I feel like it was really good for me. Cause I, I kind of had to, well, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. Cause 
that's sort of that was the first team that i was on yeah what i was trying to ask was like like you said before there's only been so many riders on the syndicate and and i think jack said before if you're outside of france it's the biggest team in the world it's the team everybody wants to ride for did that add to the pressure of i you know i've got to do well uh no i wouldn't say so honestly like riding for the syndicate i felt like there was like zero pressure like it was very very fun it was always like they they wanted you to like almost to to its own like detriment in ways i felt like especially now being on canyon and having like fabian burrell he's like he's telling you the stuff you don't want to hear but you need to hear and i almost (laughs) feel like i almost feel like i could have used that in my younger years i sound old when i say that but uh no like there was no pressure like the obviously the results and the pressure always comes from you know within like no one no one's putting pressure on me more than myself like i want to do well and i want to you know do the best i can so i'm always gonna you know strive for more but um but no i didn't feel like there was much pressure coming from the team maybe it was like you kind of felt like you had to live up to the expectations of of the previous generation or the previous riders on the team um but but not not really no I felt like it was uh it was a good it was a good environment and fun environment um which kind of brought out like the best and and a lot of yeah. people so um, so you just mentioned being on Canyon and I mean it's a new team and as an outsider looking in you you are a you've just mentioned the big personalities that the syndicate kind of has you I would yeah I don't know you that well we've met twice now i think but you seem as to be more of a let my results do the talking rather than being a big media guy um canyon seems like a a better fit tell us a bit about life on the new team yeah it's definitely like it's more it's more about you know the the racing um yeah that's the that's the whole mission of the team is like let's try and win the race let's let we're we're focused on the racing um, where, where the syndicate was for sure, obviously focused on the racing, but also very focused on the marketing. Um, yeah. a lot of, a lot more energy and time was kind of spent in that direction. Um, so, so for me, I, I, I see where both is important, but I'm a racer. Like yeah. I, I want to race. Um, that's, that's, that's why I'm here. And it's nice to be in a team where that's the primary focus for sure. And that's the, that's kind of every decision is based on like, this is this going to help us in the race if it's even a little bit of a distraction we're not doing it um which i which i really like as a racer and as you know like i said that's my my main focus and what drives me every day so um having having a team that's very very um driven and focused on that is is for sure nice and how are you getting on with troy and mark because troy was obviously injured at the start of the season and now you're out have you had a chance to do much riding with them um with troy not a whole lot because yeah obviously like you said he was hurt and also all off season um with the aussie quarantine it was hard to for him to leave so yeah i spent a lot of time with mark um all all winter we we rode a lot together and and yeah so far this season um but not a ton of time with the whole team but so far it's been awesome and uh, it, i mean i kind of knew everyone already going in so it wasn't like a huge kind of unknown. I, I sort of knew what to expect, but um, yeah, it's sort of a shame now that Troy's back. I'm hurt. Yeah. And I'm going to miss, you know, <laughs> these races. So it's a, it's a bummer for that, but, um, but no, it's been, it's been really, really good. And 
um, I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, just feel like I haven't, haven't really been able to get, get involved too much. You know, it's been yeah. literally two races that we were all at. So not that many yet, but still got some at the end of the year. Yeah. You get seasons like that. Don't you? you mentioned Fabian working with him. He's a yeah. leave, leave no stone unturned kind of guy from For what sure. I know. From, I've never actually met him, but, um, I know Chris Porter quite well and I know he's worked with him quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that a good fit with you? Yeah, really good. Um, I'm, I knew him before obviously, but never worked with him. And, uh, yeah, I, I really, really have enjoyed like getting to know him and, and getting to work with him. Um, I like his approach a lot. It's, it's, he's so, so passionate and so intense. Like he, <laughs> it, it's a bit much sometimes. But I really feel like it's always coming from the right place and he just wants us to do good and he wants he wants the team to be successful. And um, at the end of the day, that's all things that are just going to help me. So, um, no, I, I really – I've gotten along really good with Fabian and Gabe and everyone in the team. But, yeah. it's like, Fabian, Fabian's been really, really cool and um, surprised me in some ways. I, I heard some things where it's like, oh, it's too, too much, it's too st- – too uh too intense too focused but i i like it and it's it, i feel like the knowledge and the advice is there and it's up to you yeah. to take it or leave it kind of thing he's not gonna force you to to do anything you know it's it's like here's what i would have done this is what i think you should do you know it's up to you now like and i i, I really like that so um no it's been good are you a um mess with the settings kind of guy are you before you came to canyon because i know he will you know look at every every click of rebound every click of compression and stuff yeah. or were you, were you a set it and leave it kind of guy before you joined um definitely more on the set and set it and leave it um set and forget trend. Yeah. but um <laughs> but but it's actually been really interesting for me because I, I was on a santa cruz for seven years um, yeah. and even though we changed wheel size like the bike was very much the same for seven years so um to, to swap everything, like not just the bike, but the suspension, brakes, wheels, everything has been pretty crazy eye-opening experience. Yeah. And, and I feel like I'm, as I'm getting older and have a bit more experience with like bike setup and that kind of stuff, I'm starting to figure out what I like and what I don't like. And I wouldn't say becoming more picky, but definitely I feel like I, I know when I like my bike and I know when I feel like something's off and I need to change it. So, um, and, and that's been really, that's been a huge thing for me this year. It's been really exciting to figure out, figure out all the new, the new bike and the new suspension and everything, totally new platform to work from. So, um, that's, that's been, I've learned a, a whole lot, especially working with, um, Fabian on that stuff. Um, it's, it's been cool. I've definitely learned a lot. Cool. Well, in, in Fort William, you said you thought you were riding as fast as, as you ever have. You were fifth at the first World Cup in Lords. Then you slid out on on the well just before the wall ride in Fort William. Have you figured out what happened there yet? In Fort William, yeah, yeah, yeah I know exactly what happened. Um, I I was really struggling to see. Um, right, I, I hadn't done a roll off since like the boardwalk, and it was obviously raining and super muddy. So like going through that that wood section before that road gap, I I I had a huge clump of mud on my goggle, and I I. I couldn't see very well at all. And I was uh, not riding very good because of it. And then um, I was sort of sort of panicking a bit and I tried to do a roll off on that little road gap, but I didn't have enough time. So I, I missed it. 
And then going around those next corners, I was, I was focused on my goggles. I wasn't like, I I was kind of panicking and totally lost my composure. And I I ran that long left before that um, jump with the wall ride, the left, I, I ran it wide, nothing crazy, but I was like a little bit offline, kind of wide. And then I came, then I was coming back into the main line, but obviously from the inside and I, on the lip of that jump, I was outside of, or I was sorry, inside of the rut. So I just slid. And that was that, like, it was just, yeah, a stupid, stupid mistake. Like couldn't see. And I was, I should have just calmed down, but I was kind of panicking because I wanted to, I didn't, I felt like I was losing time. So, yeah. so yeah. And then slid off right at the lip of the jump. And that was that. Some say he's still sliding now. <laughs> yeah, I, I still got a little bit. Of a pretty amazing video. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you're gonna, yeah, you might as well try and make some people laugh. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to be able amazing. to laugh at yourself. But yeah. um, can thank Mono for the video. It was my idea, but he did the <laughs> he, he did the execution. <laughs> nice. Um, so you got 15th in Leogang, which is like pretty solid result. And then um, in Lanzahar, you got fifth in Quali. So that was like also amazing. Um, you had a big crash mm. in your race run, um, which resulted in a broken wrist. And yeah, that's you out for like the main chunk of races of the season. And I guess we'll be joking about this before the podcast that a lot of people asked you. And you had to explain to them how's your wrist are going, and the question on the script is how's the wrist doing. <laughs> so I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Hey, where's my to, Where's my sign? Yeah. You have You have to explain it again, and um, for the fans out there, um, at least yeah. like, what's your target? Like, are you going to be in time for Worlds, or what's happening? Yeah. Well, there's like the short version, which is what I had on repeat, is like, yeah, I broke my wrist four or six weeks. I'll be back for Worlds. But okay. since we got time, I'll, I'll give you the full story. Um, nice. It actually, it's a bit more complicated than that. I, I actually crashed before Leo Gang, um, like the weekend before Leo Gang, mm-hmm. um, before driving over. I, I had a silly crash and just put my hand out and tweaked my wrist. And it was super swollen and painful. And But I, I was like, oh, it'll be okay. I thought I just sprained it. I did get x-rays, but the x-rays didn't really show anything. Um so anyways, I raced Leo gang with like a pretty sore wrist. Not, not great. It was definitely a bit of a struggle, but I was able to ride and in the race, you know, with adrenaline and stuff didn't, didn't bother me. But, um, the, the x-ray people had emailed me during the race that, oh, like, we think you may have actually fractured your radius. Um, but we can't tell if it's a new fracture or an old fracture because it's very small. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got a CT scan after the race and I actually had a very small fracture in my radius on my right wrist, um, which explained the sharp pain that I felt when I was riding. Um, so anyways, I, I had to take two weeks off the bike after that, um, to let that heal up. And it did, it was no big deal, but then it, um, finally was all good for lens hide. Um, but then yeah, lens hide crashed in the race, um, big crash and rode down afterwards didn't feel a thing just with the adrenaline it was all good but like 10 minutes after the race i it my hand was getting like so swollen and super sore and then like an hour later i like couldn't move my wrist at all so i knew something was up but it felt it was different the pain like it was in a different spot than before um mm-hmm. so yeah next day when got scans and everything and i broke a different bone and may have also rebroke my radius 
-hmm. they don't really know yet. They don't know if it didn't heal all the way from the previous Mm -hmm. crash or if it rebroke, but I definitely also rebroke a different bone, which is called the pisiform bone. Never Mm -hmm. heard of it before. Uh, (laughs) It's like a really small bone in your wrist, like on the outside. So like, luckily Mm -hmm. it's not the scaphoid. Um, It's the one here. So um, that's like completely broken. And that's the the thing that I, I need to just wait for four or six weeks to let heal. Um, it's been two and a half weeks and it feels really good. Actually, I'm out of the cast now and I can move it around and it's, it's definitely feeling a lot better. Um, so, uh, definitely going to be good for worlds. I hope I'll be back riding in like two weeks. Um, should be, should be no problem for world champs and just need to kind of get, get the bike fit and get back on the bike and up to speed. That'll be the, the big issue, but, um, but no, so yeah, it's just not a terrible injury, but terrible timing for sure with obviously Andorra now snowshoe and Mount St. Anne all kind of out the window. So that's the, that's the bummer right there. It's just the time of year, um, more than anything. So, but no surgery and it's, it's relatively straightforward. Just yeah. Four to six weeks. Yeah. If you get two good races from the two woke up, to all be forgotten, I guess. Yeah, it's always the same. Yeah. <laughs> totally, but yeah, no, it's definitely not what I wanted this year. I started like started the season really good on the podium, and I was so fired up to you know try and mix it up with those guys at the top. And yeah, it's kind of not gone that way, but still got still got some big goals for this year. So just yeah. need to get the, get through this. Yeah, I, I, are you going to go up to snowshoe? Are you going to go and watch? <laughs> I don't think so. No. Um, I I've thought about it and I still might change my mind since I can just drive up there, but, um, no, I think I'll stay home. It's, it's a lot of, uh, standing around, not doing a whole lot when you're there. And it is interesting. I actually learned a lot in Andorra being on the side of the track for once and trying to, I just tried to pick up as many things as I could from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting. And I, I actually enjoyed, I enjoyed it, but but watching the race is so painful and I, I, yeah, I, I'm not a very good spectator in general. I'd so much rather just be doing, doing something myself. So, um, I'll be, I'll be watching it on the couch, I think. So we're recording this, this bit, this section on Wednesday night. Um, Emmy and Jack are already in snowshoe now. Emmy's done a track walk today and it's looking wet. Give them some tips. You've, you've raced, you raced here before. A few times, yeah. I believe. Yeah, go on. How how to the, how do you ride snowshoe in the wet? Um, just uh, it, it's a kind of a tricky one because it's it's flat, so you'd really need like pump for your speed. But then, obviously, when it's slippery, you're kind of it's kind of not how you want to ride when it's slippery. You, you want to be like light, so it's kind of like you. I feel like you really got to pick the track apart and know where you can like really put pressure in and gain some speed and and kind of get that momentum going but then there's obviously a lot of spots where it's just there's so many roots and rocks and they're all going to be slippery and you kind of just got to let the bike got let the bike do what it wants and be loose so um it's 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 a tricky tricky track i think even in the dry i think it's really it's hard because it's it's so much about momentum and carrying speed since it's not that steep um but obviously a lot of little things to kind of slip on and catch you out um so It'd be a, it'd be a tough race. I think it'd be, um, interesting in the way I'm curious to see if it's like full wet or if it gets 
sticky at all. Because if it gets sticky, it's going to be even slower and even harder to keep that speed. Um, but yeah, tips. I don't know. I don't know. I'll save the tips. <laughs> it's a pretty good tip already. I feel like it's a pretty good tip already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's like there's sections where you really need to like. I feel like a few key sections where you need to know exactly where you can put your wheels and really pump to get the speed. Um, and then a few key sections where you need to like really be careful and go light. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. Um, I, I guess there's a little new section too. Is that right? Yeah. Muddy yeah. section. So yeah. Mm. So we've um, been talking tires today. Would you ever run a mud tire on this track or would you always stick with the, the standard? Um, I remember one year, we raced national champs there two years and it was wet both years. And I'm pretty sure I ran mud tires. Yeah. Cause it, it was mud, like it was wet, but then it started to get sticky and there was enough spots where I felt like the, the mud tire was, was a benefit. Um, I, I always kind of like a lot of people don't like mud tires on rocks, but I don't really mind it that much. So, um, but mm, hard to say, I guess it, it depends what, what kind of options you have too. Um, I reckon the I top, the top is very, um, the top is very fresh now. So it's not, it's not like the old track where it's like hard pack yeah. kind of slippery. So I guess on the top parts now, a mud tire or like at least like a mixed shorty yeah. type of tire will help. Yeah. But then obviously the rolling part is important. Like, but mm-hmm. I would say like, I think our riders starting in like on the mixed tire. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it'll be an interesting one, I think, for tire choice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. not an easy choice. You described it before before we started recording as like a UK track, so I'm expecting big things from Jack this weekend. <laughs> 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 well, we can't let you go without asking a question about your other half, your London F. Um, you're famous in downhill terms, but XC is a much broader church, and she's she's a, a mega star. Tell us what it's a bit like, like life with Yolanda Neff. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I definitely don't think of her as a mega star in my mind. She's just like my girlfriend and we hardly ever talk about bikes, right? <laughs> which is, which is cool. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, especially in Switzerland. Um, she's, she gets stopped quite often in the yeah. street and stuff. It's, it's a bit weird, not going to lie, <laughs> but uh <laughs> But no, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's cool. Like it's, it's convenient for us that we both kind of have the same job. Like we, we, um, are on the same sort of schedule more or less for, for the year. So that, that makes it easy. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's definitely, I guess, pretty unique, but, um, but no. And did you train together? Uh, no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Can you train with her? I think that's a better question. No. (laughs) If it's like, we, we'll like, we'll ride together. Yeah. In this, in the winter, we'll ride together. Actually. Yeah. I'll, we do train together, but the training that she does and the training that I do is, is like quite a bit different. Um, but she does kill me on any climb that's longer than five minutes. That's for sure. Um, so, and usually, usually there's my excuse. Like usually I'm on like an enduro bike and she's on her cross country bike. So I say like, ah, like if I had a cross country bike, this wouldn't be a problem, but, um, <laughs> but no, that's just an excuse for sure. Um, she's a, she's a beast. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for making the time to come on the pod. It's, it's been great to see you back up there this season and I, I hope you can t- continue that for this season and beyond and thank you for being so so honest there's some difficult questions in there 
Um, but I think it makes make for great content. So thank you very much. Yeah, easy. Good yeah, luck for worlds, dude. Really crossing our fingers for you for when you get back. So have a good one at worlds. Thanks, Jack. Have a good one this weekend. And yeah, thanks for having oh. me on. Always a pleasure. Thanks, we'll be, Luca. We'll be back talking snowshoe and Mont Saint Anne after these messages. Hi, I'm Ollie Wilkins. And I'm Ben, the Deaconator Deacon. We've just spent the last week at Bride Southern Spain having a fantastic time. We have. We've ridden countless amounts of enduro and epic downhill trails. That's right, they have a workshop, swimming pool, pizza oven, fire pit. They've even got a donkey here, dude. You get a free beer if you ride, you know? That's all right, is that nice? So we've just dropped into this first trail of the day. Cheeky little uh, off-piece line here. Nice little dusty berm at the bottom to catch you. <laughs> £600 a week includes accommodation, airport transfers, six days of uplifts and guiding. Check out their social media or website to book your holiday at Ride Southern Spain. Ride Southern Spain. Choose single track. Choose print. Choose digital. Choose an independent mountain bike magazine. Choose mountain bike culture. Choose adventure and mishap. Choose great stories and glorious photography. Choose ad-free access to our website. Choose time out with a mug of tea. Choose an annual subscription. Choose a monthly subscription. Choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products. Choose bobble hats. Choose hip flasks. Choose gift subscriptions for your friends. Choose single track salvation for your arse. Choose a username. Choose a community. Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. If you're enjoying the Making Up the Numbers podcast, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. We've got three races left in the World Cup, starting with Snowshoe. Last year it was a double header. In the Women's Valley, took the win in both races. She's just won in Andorra. You can see me smiling as I'm about to ask this, Emmy. Is Valley the favourite, do you think? <laughs> uh, I didn't even read that part of the script before. Um, oh, she's not. <laughs> no. Um, um, well, she could be the favourite for Snowshoe, but I think Cam got a second and a third last year in yeah, Snowshoe, did, and that yeah, yeah. was one of the first, like one of the best results, except Logan. Logan is a different game, but like one of the favourite, like best track for her. So. In Snowshoe, I'd say Cam has definitely a chance for the win. But yeah, we'll see about the other two. <laughs> well, at least MSA, like Cam has been to MSA once. Yeah. And it was like a long time ago and she doesn't have like the sweetest memory about it because it's pretty straight, like for, I think it's pretty intimidating track. So I'd say it's going to be, depending on how Miriam recovers now from the disappointment, but not the same answer, Valley, Miriam, Cam, and then yeah. maybe... Nina as a dark horse. So coming into these final couple of races, how how is Cammy feeling about it all? Because we talked if, in the intro about what yeah. what you do if you were Amory. How's how's Cam doing? Um, well, I think she's just trying to like take one race at a time. She's she's just like trying to have the same approach for all of them. And I think for Snowshoe, she knows that Snowshoe Valley so suits her, and she doesn't know about MSA quite yet, but because she's evolved a lot in three years, you know, like she's yeah. a completely different rider. So um, I think she's trying to like get the most point possible in quality as well as she's ever been doing. And then 
try to like be consistent as always and to not like stay healthy. She talked about that a lot, try to like not get in over her head and crash. I think Endora taught her a lesson as well, like try to like not maybe push too much in in finals. And then we'll see where that gets her, but there could be a lot of variables in play. I think yeah. she's not going to try to change much. No. Well, Jack, t- tell us a bit about the track in, in Snowshoe. What does it take to win there? Well, if I knew that, George, I wouldn't share the secret. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, a, a for the most part, I'd say it's like a bumpy pump track. Like you're flat out fast at the top with some jumps and then middle section's a bit flatter. And I remember last year when we were all going into the third sector, all of the splits were fairly similar at that set split and then the gaps came come out in the rocks um and those rocks it's just really difficult to carry speed if you, if you get slightly offline then you end up hitting something and either damaging your bike like we saw a few riders doing i did myself um or you just lose a shitload of speed so um yeah flow for sure is very important just maintaining flow on the track and rhythm um mm. and obviously being fast I've not been to either track, but what, on the TV, it looks a bit like Maribor. I don't know if it rides like Maribor. It doesn't ride anything like Maribor. I see what you mean. Do they not? Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, it looks Maribor, similar, but mm. Yeah, it looks similar. But no, it's Maribor, you can just kind of charge, whereas right. this one, you need to be an inch there, an inch there, this side of that rock. like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Loris, Loris isn't going to have the best memories from last year. That's for uh, sure. Yeah. Reese and Loic took the win in the men's. Danny won famously in 20, 2019. Amory's still recovering from the, the hit in Andorra. Finn's riding incredibly well. Who's your money on? All right. I'm going to be controversial, I reckon. And I'm going to put my money on Finn to win in Snowshoe and Gwynny to win in Montanan. Oh. Hmm. I'll go different. I'll say Loic is going to win in snowshoe because he doesn't have any expectation for the overall and he's really always faster. And Finn in Montanen. You've yeah. gone exactly the same as me. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I think as well. Mm-hmm. It might even be in the script in a minute. I'm going to say the, the bit about Finn and Montanen. But I, I, oh. I, I think Loic snowshoe, I think that's a good one. So straight after snowshoe, it's Montanen. I know it's your favourite Jack track, Jack. How excited are you for, for, for going back there? Yeah, buzzing. We haven't been there since 2018 because of something we all mentioned. And um, yeah, really excited. Excited to take Dan there. He'll love it. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a charging track. Like it's kind of like Fort William, but with more. Like it's got different mm-hmm. types of sections. And uh, it took me a couple of years to get used to it. And then once it clicked, um, it's the kind of, it's the opposite to Andorra. Like that new track in Andorra, you, you almost had to force it. And from the gate, you had to be like mm-hmm. pushing and so fast and daring yourself to be off the brakes. Whereas Montanan's not like that. If you do that too much, you end up just overcooking shit and just getting scruffy. Whereas the speed is just there and you just sit into this rhythm and it's just mint when you get it right. And I think that's why Minar's always done quite well there because he's just the king of like getting into a run and just letting the bike do its thing. So yeah, it's mint. So the last time we raced there was, well, the, the last time they had a race there was Worlds in 2019, which Miriam won and, and you took fifth, Emmy. Yeah, um, it's probably my it's probably my best world champs, I think. Yeah. 
because I was also like on the track, I was like almost like five minutes something. I was only got five seconds back off the win yeah. and I was already fifth. So yeah, it was one of my best world champs out. And I really like Montana. I put him there before quite a lot. Like Jack said, like it's, you need to get into a rhythm and when you're kind of like a, a skilled rider, you can like kind of like try to like plan your run and try to execute it without like try to like, taking so many risks and I think towards the end of my career that really was the kind of run I was looking for I didn't want to like that's why I mean Andorra would have been for me because you take so many risks and you have to like ride as fast as you can and I didn't really like that so yeah I'm excited to see how Cam's gonna do because she's yeah. only been there once <laughs> yeah so it sounds like it might be the type of track she she could do really well on actually i, I know I she didn't she, when she was she there yeah. yeah if she gets past this uh intimidating intimidating factor like lots of the big boulders you have to ride on and it looks like it's not going to ride well but when you actually like get the flow on them it actually rides fine and that's why every time you go back you're like oh that's fine so you just do it yeah and then she'll be like oh but like that looks so gnarly like but it's not because she, we just did it so many times. So um, mm. I could try to like help her as much as I can. And maybe she could try to like um, ride with the, the junior men that's on the team or Monica that's been there a couple of times. She can like get past that first step. And then um, with the consistency that she's riding, I think also like the fact that she's barely feel any arm pump as well, which I don't understand how that's possible, but <laughs> <laughs> probably hockey, hockey strength. Um, that that could be a good track for her as well. But don't forget Miriam is kind of the queen of MSA, so that'll be hard. Yeah. yeah. I think Nina might be quite a good bet as well. Just Ah, uh, I don't know. She's a no? sketchy rider though. Have you seen in a practice? Like she's rides over everything. Like she doesn't care. She was riding the rocks in Andorra like on tip like it was like banging all over the place. Of course it's fast, but like at 50% of the time you get a flat tire or, or like a broken rim. And that's what happens all the time with her riding. She either gets really good or like have a mechanical or crash. So I wouldn't say that Montana is the big track for her okay. because I think she either have like too many mechanicals or too many crashes before there is if it happened, but I could be wrong. I mean, she did in Fort Williams, so yeah, we'll see. I'm not going to ask for your predictions in the women because I think, it's down to the top three, and I wouldn't. We, like we to all and know pick. who the top three is going to be. I think Bali. I don't know how she's going to do in Montanando. She needs to calm it down. If she doesn't calm it down, she will crash. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think Miriam is going to be hard to beat in Montanando. I just hope like Cami gets like good points. Yeah. Cool. We'll see. Well, that's all we've got time for in this episode. I can't quite believe it. We got through with the whole thing without mentioning Discovery and, and Red Bull, but we have. Thanks to the sponsors <laughs> of the show, Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb and SingletrackWorld.com. And of course, to you guys. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a, you've got a sec, please drop us a review. Alternatively, please give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up The Numbers Racing or Facebook.com slash Making Up The Numbers it's going to be an interesting few weeks of racing as we approach what a famous football manager used to refer to as squeaky bum time. Enjoy it, everyone. We'll be <laughs> back after Mont St. Anne. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.